If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 237. This is our 2022 DP World Tour Championship and RFM Classic Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's DP World Tour and PGA Tour finales. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. uh, Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, DP World Tour Championship, and RSM Classic Strokes Gained Analysis, Tournament Form Stats, Combi Course and Current Form Stats, and our PGA Tour and DP World Tour. Predictor models. All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge. We have no paywall. On Twitter, Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to this Steve. Uh, subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available, along with my weekly golf betting show. Plus, you can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Don't forget as well, press the five-star button on Spotify. It all helps the podcast. Now, this one's short but sweet. It's from Bode Water, and he is in the US of A. Title, brilliant as always, five stars. Always fantastic course breakdowns and what to look for in the field each week. Love the pod and make it a must listen every week. Can't say fairer than that. That's from Bode Water. He's in the US of A. Thank you for that. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. I think, uh, Steve, you've just given him the ultimate compliment by mispronouncing his name. So I used to watch, uh, I still do like a lot of skiing and there was a very famous US skier called Bodie Miller. I think it's Bodie. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so it's Bodie Water. I think so. I could oh, be I wrong. Well, I remember the skier Bodie Miller. Yeah, he was something else. He was decent, wasn't he? Oh my God, yeah. So exciting to watch. Bodie, if I got your name wrong, I do apologise. Let's talk about last week. Let's do it quickly. We've got a really, really busy show. It was painful for me. Um, once I saw Tony Finau lighting it up within about six holes, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake and left a 22-1 to 1 chance behind. We were, just, we were just recapping on the betting market. He was fifth favourite last week on Monday. Mm. He was four points bigger than Aaron Wise. That's the farce of it. Yeah. Um, and on top of that... Um, I had Joel Damon, who absolutely struck the proverbial out of the ball last week, Joel uh, Damon. He was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Sixth for greens in regulation, sixth for fairways hit. 
he was sixth for strokes gained to tee to green. And even in round four, this was the craziness, he was in the top, um, top 20 for strokes gained tee to green. And then you look at his putting number. He was 53rd in the field for strokes gained putting on Sunday when he uh, took my each way winnings away from me and left me completely blank for the week. So uh, thank, thanks for that, Mr. Damon. Mm. Much appreciated. I did say, though, he's good at getting consecutive top 10s. It's just a shame he's not so good at getting consecutive each <laughs> way payouts. But that's uh, that's the game we play. Tony Fino. Absol- Notice how I'm not calling him T4 or T2. Tony Finau has become an absolute monster. An absolute monster. Three PGA Tour victories in 2022. And that was a consummate performance, I think. This one. And let's get this straight. A weak field. But he absolutely dominated that tournament. Mm. Different gravy now, isn't he? Tony Finau. He's... Uh... Now that he's got those wins, or that first win, or the, the first win for a while, you know, again, he's just moving forwards, upwards. You know, where's he going to end up in the world ranking if he carries on at this rate? You know, it's a huge 2023 ahead of him if he can continue this kind of momentum. And he's not just scraping over the line now, is he? You know, it was, as you said, he was miles clear at one point on, uh, on Saturday. I think he was seven clear on Sunday at one point. Very, very impressive. Barry will like this. Did make me laugh. PGA Tour highlights. They absolutely despise showing bogeys. They despise showing bad (laughs) shots. And on the highlights from round four and Tony Finau, they had to show three bogeys on the back nine. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. That just made me. That made my weekend really. The fact that PGA Tour editors in Florida are having to uh, show bogeys on their Tony Finau highlights. Try dramatise it as if there was a chance of him actually losing the tournament from that. <laughs> no, they couldn't because Steve Sands on the commentary was basically going, "Oh God, the lead's down to six. Tony must be trembling, <laughs> quaking, quaking in his boots." Yeah, I think he almost said that. Yeah, he must be quaking in his boots. Leads down to six. Four holes to play. What do you, what do you make of Tony Finau? If it seems strange not calling him Tony T four T two, but I can't anymore because he actually wins. What do you think of him, Barry? Do you know what he kind of delivered on the the Terminator shouts we were saying there a few weeks back? Mm. He's um, I forgot that one. It's it's just another good stepping stone. Feels like he's kind of um, got that you know Ram can flat track bully and bully those fields when he really feels like it feels like he's got to a level of that but now Mm. needs to do it on a on a big field um basis you know when he's playing against a a really deep field but you know it's he's just adding more pieces Mm. to the puzzle that's fair comment which means he's more likely to do that in the future yeah but but then he always used to be the kind of guy who could top 10 at a major anyway, even when he mm. wasn't winning. Um, mm. So I, I'd be fascinated to see how he gets on next year because that the, the new level of confidence that he must have in his game, um, combined with going back to some of these major courses, you know, particularly the Masters, where um, you know he knows that he can play well. Um, Good God, yeah. Wish got a certain. great game for Augusta, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. 
the, the number that really grabbed me last week, and it was in the commentary as well on Sunday, him and his coach had been working. I think he might, um, it might be Boyd Summerhays, who's becoming a very popular um, coach over in the Scottsdale area. They concentrated just on hitting more fairways. And he, he top fairways hit. That's incredible for Tony Fina with his power. Mm. That's the other yeah. thing with Fina. You do, you do look at his major record. You know, he's getting big finishes across all four majors. He's not, yeah. he's not, he's, no, he's not a one-trick pony. U.S. Opens, PGA Championships. You know, he's had a ninth and uh, a ninth and a third, of course, at the Open. Very, very interesting. What's happening with the evolution of Tony Fina? The the interesting thing about the driving is like he, in general, hits very relaxed speed for what he can actually achieve with his swing speed. So mm. it's like a luxury he has that not many other players have. Mm. that he can afford to focus on trying to find more fairways, but still maintaining enough distance. Spot on. 302 off the tee last week, 21st for driving distance, first for for fairways hit. Yep. So he's hitting an easy driver and hitting it 302. Mm. Yeah, 300 plus into the fairway is... A lethal combination, yeah. Yeah. And it kind of flies in the convention or what we've seen the last few years where guys are just, I guess, like it was powered by Bryce and really the indiscriminate bombing. Just mm. raw distance was deemed to be everything. But Tony's shown a, a different way to, to do it this one particular week. And whether that holds true, it, it, I think a lot depends on course setup if you really need to find all those fairways on that particular week or if you just let it rip and go that bit deeper. I mean, if the greens are a bit more receptive, then the fairway's not as important as it might have been last week. Mm. Yeah. That is a very specialised track, as we said, Houston. Um, Very specialised. Over in South Africa, Tommy Fleetwood, 11-1 to winner. Yep. Defended his... Ned Bank Challenge title. I know it's a strange run because it was over the COVID period where it wasn't run, but that that, that was his first win then for f- three, three years, years or four? Three. Yeah, three years. So, yeah, his previous win had been at the Ned Bank back in yeah. 2019. So, yeah, you know, if, if you followed him in, in a lot at those kind of prices in the intervening three years, then uh, you'd have been rather disappointed. But... Yeah, it all fell for him, didn't it, in the end? Um, chipped in for Eagle on the 14th, and then everyone else just folded around him, which, um, from Tommy's perspective, um, just meant he could, well, not coast to the line, but um, you know, it's, he didn't have to do anything special over the part, the final four holes to, to get the job done. It was there on a plate for him. So, uh, so yeah, well done, Tommy. Um, yeah, disappointing in a way, because I've backed him a bit recently, but um, 11 to 1 was a little bit... A little bit skinny for me. Um, yeah, what? What? Well, I know you had uh, was Wayne Newt Steve, so you managed to snap out, yeah. five. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Gavin Green, you had Barry, and I know you took him with the extra places, so his solo seventh was good enough for you as well, wasn't it? Yeah, the um, the extra places, I just they just save the mental torture if they do miss or tie, or it just gives that extra little buffer. I know it compromises the win equity, but. 
I'll, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it if I've um, not maxed my win for the week by taking the extra places and compromise the price. Like it's, it's fine. No. Um, Absolutely. Well, certainly paid dividends with green because that was the only way. Typically, the bookies were five or six places. So um, the only way you were getting a return on green because he was in the right um, competitive position, wasn't he, going into the third round and then just started with a whole string of bogeys at the start of that third round to take him out of contention. but <laughs> Really bad food. Really bad food before the round, starting with five bogeys or something like that. It's such an odd... The, the way that event works, and you see it for years in the past as well. You know, a good round can be easily followed up with something, you know, that's the polar opposite. I, I was on Thriston Lawrence, as you guys know, and he shot a beautiful 65 on Saturday to get himself right into contention. He was one off the lead going into the final round. That was two shots better than anyone else in the field, and he had all the momentum going into that final round. Really keen on his chances going into going into Sunday. Uh, tripled the third, and that was it. You know, <laughs> you just uh, just disappear down the leaderboard. Um, it's it's a golf sneak. course, isn't it? It, it is, but you can make birdies as well. You've just got mm. to play well. And he threatened to sneak a place on the back nine, but then bogeyed three of his final five and dropped out of it again. And um, But then, yeah, you put it all together, there's, there's 65s or better out there. I remember Westwood going super low around there um, mm. a few mm-hmm. years ago, where if you hit fairways, hit greens make a few putts you can get you know a, a low 60 score but equally 75s and worse are out there as well on the table yeah Is, isn't that a re what's that to you guys though does that say good setup is that kind yeah. of you much prefer to see something like that where if a guy's playing really well the score is available but if you're just mm. off a bit the course punishes you yeah yeah it's not an unfair course there's nothing tricked up about it you've just got to play well um yeah the, the disappointment is when you get a player who plays well for one round and literally goes straight out the next day or follows that round on because there were some some rounds that were continuous weren't they because of the uh, the delays um with the weather and then literally start start the next round and it's the polar opposite of what they were doing the the, the few minutes or a few hours before it's uh, that's the game though isn't it I think primarily we're we're clearly golf betters, so you, we're trying to make a profit. But you know, having watching golf from January through to the end of November, it's nice to have a bit of variety. And 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 the PGA Tour stock eighteen under to twenty three under week in week out winner, mm. and sometimes thirty something under if we go to something like Plantation, can get a little bit tedious week after week after week after week after week. So it was okay. interesting last week to get the Ned Bank and Houston, where you had two stretching golf courses. Yeah. And you had cuts at one over par in terms of the Houston Open. Now, it's rare on the PJ Tour. It's normally three to four under par. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, it's just a bit Seven different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good course. I, I do enjoy the Ned Bank. Um, would have, just would have enjoyed it a little bit more if Thriston had yeah. shift in on Sunday. But you can't have it all, can you? Ain't that the way. We've got two... Tricky betting heats to um, to end 2022, in my opinion. We've got the season finale on the DP World Tour, Cha- uh, World Tour, the DP World Tour Championship, which has clearly got some very big guns at the head of it. And then we've got the RSM Classic on the PGA Tour, 
which has Tony Finau as a 10 to 1 favourite. And the next best in the field is 22 or 25 to 1. So basically uh, one player at the head of the market there. So I think because clearly it's the bigger of the two tournaments, even though the world rankings say that it isn't, <laughs> um, I thought we'd crack on with the DP World Tour Championship, Paul. So over to you. Yeah. Yeah, isn't isn't that bizarre the way those world rankings have crazy out for this week? <laughs> you know, you just eyeball the fields, and it makes no logical sense. Well, perhaps there is some logical sense in there, but um, but yeah, for the RSM to be rated considerably higher than the DP World Tour Championship is uh, bizarre, if you ask me. Anyway, yes, let's uh, let's talk about the event, and we're going to find out this week who's going to take top spot in the DP World tour rankings as it's now called rather than the race to dubai and um, there's twelve thousand points up for grabs this week two thousand points to the winner so we will have some movement on the uh, the final rankings this week we've got rory mcelroy and ryan fox both clear at the top of the uh, the rankings at the moment just over four thousand points for both of those guys uh mcelroy is about a hundred points clear of fox but of course with two thousand points going to the winner this week it's clear that things can change. Now, if either of those guys have a particularly strong week, then realistically, um, it should just be between the two of them. Um, Look at Ryan Fox. How far clear could that guy have been had he converted some of his um, chances this year? When he's won twice, uh, would he win Raz Raz Al-Khaimah, didn't he, in the Dunhill Lynx recently? But... um, well, we've got four second-place finishes as well, including last week. And again, last week was another chance for him to win, another big chance for him to win. Um, he, you have he, to say, Paul, I actually thought this last night. To see Ryan Fox second in the race to Dubai standings, yeah, mm. and up to 24th in the world and not playing on the PGA Tour. That is a fantastic season from Ryan Fox. It is. It is. It's historic that I mean just and now we're seeing the differential in the two tours. Mm. It's an amazing season that Ryan Fox has had. Well, it is. And as I say, four second place finishes and if you look, he could have won any of those um events and there were a couple of third and fourth place finishes as well. If he'd have walked away with five wins this season from the positions he's been in, you know, it wouldn't have been a complete shock. That's how well he's playing. Mm. And had he done that, you know, he'd, he'd be sitting there well clear of Rory McIlroy and he'd be the guy that uh, would be most likely to take down the uh, the top spot this week. But um, but yeah, he's still got a chance, still got a big chance. And below those two, Matthew Fitzpatrick is about a thousand points shy of uh, McIlroy's total. So he'll need to win realistically. Uh, Fleetwood and Hovland just behind. Mathematically, um, I've made it down to Adrian Moronk in ninth, who could have um, a mathematical chance um, with the various permutations. I expect the DP World Tour will put out a uh, permutations piece at some point today, so we'll see exactly how it is. So, um, apologies if my maths is uh, slightly wrong, but um, I make it that you know a, a, a good few have a mathematical chance um, of uh, taking the top spot. But realistically, McElroy, Fox, they should be the guys that uh, one of those two should be taking it. I think, and of course, all of them are fighting for this bonus pool as well. Not quite as rich as the FedEx Cup, but uh, certainly worth uh, uh, certainly worth fighting for. 
Now, in terms of the event itself, we've got the top 50 available from the rankings here. The guys that are missing, uh, Colin Morikawa, who's the, or would be the defending champion, he's not here. Uh, Will Zalatoris, who's injured, and Thomas Peters, who's um, expecting his uh, second child any day now. Um, so those three guys are missing. That leaves Rory McIlroy as the favourite. 130, 10 to 3 available right now on Rory McIlroy. He's been backed in. He was 7 to 2 at first show yesterday. Um, looking at the market, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes off at 3 to 1 with most bookies. Um, fairly obvious chance, isn't he? Uh, he's going for the FedEx and uh, DP World Tour double that uh, Henrik Stenson won a few years back. Um, really live chance of him doing it this week. Um, John Rahm, 5-1. to one. Victor Hovland, 10-1. to one. Same price as Matt Fitzpatrick. Shane Lowry, 14s. Tommy Fleetwood, 14s. Tyrrell Hatton, 18. 28-1 bar, the top seven there. And then um, as we go further down the list, there's some big gaps between players in terms of odds. So um, there's almost some defined separate markets within the field this week in terms of uh, the way the bookies see it. It is a short field, though. No cut. Um, most bookies, standard five places a quarter of the odds, six places a fifth of the odds with a few. Do be careful, there's a few firms that are going a five places and a fifth um, rather than five and a quarter given the short field. So do just double check your terms before you place your bets. And of course, we've been talking about it a bit over the last few weeks. Bet365 do have their each way extra proposition running on this Um Again, they've got different markets. The eight places each way, a fifth of the odds market. Sees a few of the players with um, a, a little bit of a uh, cut on their headline price. But of course, in a 50-man field, eight places a fifth of the odds is um, taking a fair chunk of the market. So uh, do shop around before you place your bets this week. Uh, in terms of the course, uh, yeah, as ever, we're at the um, Earth course at Jumeirah golf estates in dubai greg norman design as we know um, we've seen it for a number of years now Seven thousand six hundred and seventy-five yard par 72 it's proper desert golf bermuda fairways bermuda rough uh, fast bermuda greens 12 12 and a half on the stint meter generally and um, for the greens uh, lots of course history, of course, on the site. Um, we've got three years worth of strokes gain data, as Steve mentioned at the top of the show. So do check it out. The weather looks set fair, sunny, 90 degrees Fahrenheit there or thereabouts. And as ever in this part of the world, the wind tends to pick up a little bit in the afternoons, 10 to 15 mile an hour. Nothing unusual here, um, nothing out of the ordinary and um, kind of what we'd expect. So a fairly typical renewal, a fairly... Um, fairly scorable usually um, at that, those kind of conditions uh, with temperatures hitting the, the 90s uh, in the afternoon. So, uh, yeah, nothing out of the ordinary to expect this week. Let's have a look at some of the recent winners uh, just to give us a flavour of the type of players that have done well here in the past. Uh, 2010, Robert Coulson, 50 to 1. Um, I backed Colson that week, so that was a good week. 2011, Alvaro Kiros at 40 to 1. I backed him as well. Those were the days when I could pick a winner, guys. You know, back, have, to go, have to go back a decade. But Just uh, pick like, Rory McIlroy and you'll have the winner this week. <laughs> before you lost yeah. your distance off the tee, Paul. Age is a cruel, yeah, cruel mistress. Before, before I lost my marbles, I think. Uh, 2012 <laughs> was uh, Rory McIlroy, 6 to 1. Uh, 2013, Henrik, Henrik Stenson, 11 to 1. I had Henrik as well. 
Um, Henrik defended in 2014 at 17 to 2. McElroy won for a second time in 2015 at 5 to 1. Uh, then we're into Matt Fitzpatrick, 66 to 1, the first of his two titles um, uh, in 2016. John Rahm, 12 to 1 in 17. Danny Willett, 80 to 1 in 2018. That's the biggest price of the lot. John Rahm won again in 2019 at 7 to 1. Fitzpatrick won again at 16 to 1 in 2020. Lots of repeat winners, as you can uh, as you can gather. And 2021, Colin Morikawa came over and won at 15 to 2 last year plenty of short prices in their sevens and fives and sixes and 15 to twos and 17 to twos and only the odd mid price in there as well so it kind of gives you a flavor where we might be heading with this uh, in terms of winning scores McElroy was 23 and 21 under when he won his two titles Stenson was 25 under when he won the first of his two titles. It's a bit tougher recently. Typically, in the last few years, you've kind of been getting to maybe 15, 19, somewhere in that bracket under par. I expect it would be nearer than 19 this year, This year, given the forecast looks pretty pretty good. Um, the key to the earth, of course, is always quality ball striking. Um, long and straight really does work here. Hit lots of greens, putt well enough. Avoid the bogeys. Do well in the par fives. I think you're going to need to be maybe 10 under for the par fives over the course of the week to give yourself a, a fighting chance. If you're not, then you're really trying to make um, scores on other holes where they really aren't that scorable. The par fives are where you've really got to make some hay on the earth course. Talking of strokes gained... Um, which we do have, as I say, three years worth of uh, data. Um, strokes gained off the tee is a good indicator for this. John Rahm was fourth when he won in 2019. Fitzpatrick was eighth. Colin Morikawa was eighth as well. So a couple, yeah, all, all top ten in terms of strokes gained off the tee. All of them again were strokes gained um, tee to green. First was uh, John John Rahm was first. Matt Fitzpatrick was eighth, and Colin Morikawa was third. So tee to green off the tee, all looked good. Interestingly, all three of them were also top seven for strokes gain around the green. So in more recent times, there's a little bit more emphasis, just a tiny bit on on performance on and around the greens. So I think you know a good all round game doesn't hurt here, but um, but certainly if you've got a player or picking players that are particularly strong from off the tee, particularly strong from tee to green, um, and, uh, and can put together a decent around the green game, then. I don't think you're going to go particularly far wrong with this. Um, in terms of incoming form, each winner here had a top seven finish in one of their last six starts. Morikawa coming into this last year had finished second and seventh on his previous two outings. Fitzpatrick the year before was a little bit less obvious, really. Um, there was a few signs in there, but um, for a 16 to one shot, he wasn't leaping off the page in terms of current form. John Rahm, back in 2019, he'd won the Spanish Open on his previous start. So um, there was obviously some incoming form there to pick with John Rahm, um, reflected in his price, of course. Um, in terms of course form, John Rahm was a debutant back on his first win here in 2017. Other than that, um, most of the recent winners here had some kind of course form to fall back on. Morikawa had played this once before. He'd finished 10th. Um, Fitzpatrick the year before, he was a winner, of course, previously. Even Danny Willett, when he won, he had finished fourth here previously as well. So some course form 
um, isn't such a bad place to start. Debutants can get into the mix. Um, I think for a debutant to win, they're going to have to be a, you know, a really, really classy sort. You know, given given that John Rahm is the only one in recent years to to do that. Um, yeah, I, I, do, do be wary with the guys that are making their first start here, but uh, not out of the equation for them to get a place. I don't think. Other than that, form in the desert, that's a fairly good pointer. So you can look at the Qatar Masters, the Abu Dhabi, Dubai Desert Classic, of course, that are played regularly on the DP World Tour over the years. Ultimately, though, long and straight works here. Um, doesn't tend to be one for shocks. Picking players that seem to be fairly obvious probably isn't such a bad place to be. But as you described, Steve, the, the actual market itself is tricky. It's... It's difficult. You look at the top there, and oh, three to one or thereabouts with Rory, and five to one with John Rahm. It's uh, it begs the question: best how to play it. Um, I don't, I, well, I, let me float I, this out there for you because I, I know you're looking at things slightly differently as well. Hmm. Bet three six five right now, doing bet boosts as they always do. This week, they're having a boosted double. Now, this, this price is clearly correct at the time of recording this podcast, which is Tuesday morning in the UK. Rory McIlroy and Tony Finau to win. Boosted from 39 to 1 to 47 to 1. Mm. You can also have John Rahm Finau double, boosted from 54 to 1 to 65 to 1. So there's an option if you want to go down the double route, for example. Yeah. Yeah, there's different... Different things to, to consider, isn't there? Because I don't know about you guys, but I look at that market. I look at the way that uh, McElroy's playing. I look at the way that John Rahm's playing. And I really struggle to see, um, you know, it's, it's going to take something incredible from one of the other players to to be either or both of those players this week. Um, you know, they're, for me, they're the clear and obvious favourites, and that they're quite right, for, uh, quite rightly there for the right reasons. Both of them are playing very well. Both of them got recent wins, haven't they? Both of them have won this twice. If you're looking to their stats, both of them are striking the ball nicely. Both of them are putting nicely as well. I know John Rahm went for a stretch where his putter was a bit off, but over the last few outings that we've seen from him, the putter's certainly warmed up. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I could see the pair of them clear, which does. Beg the question: How best to play it? And you could touch them. You could you could touch them. Win only. Bat them both even stakes. And um, and and if either or of them wins, then you you get your return that way. But three to one and five to one, it's, it's going to have to be a fairly hefty stake to uh, uh, to make anything out of it. Um, you could play without you know in the without markets, which was starting to come up as I was publishing yesterday. So there are some bookies out there who are offering without McElroy or without McElroy and. Um, uh, and Ram, or even without McElroy, Ram and Fitzpatrick, there's there's different options out there, so you can literally take them out of the equation. Um, I want it to be a little bit more. Um, I wanted a little bit more interest, I guess, in in the outcome this week. And um, for me, I think Rory wins this, and I think John Ram pushes him all the way. So of the markets that are out there, the one that interests me the most and the one that I've placed my bet on is the straight forecast market. Um, now that was 25 to 1, Rory to win, John Rahm to finish second with bet 365. Um, you, could, you could take the dual forecast, which was 12 to 1, which is Rory, Rahm in either order. 
And, you know, if I'm putting my neck on the block, I think Rory wins this. I think Ram finished in second. And if you to run this event in its current guise, with these guys in their current form, if you were to run it 25 times, if a computer were to simulate this field in this particular event 25 times, how many of those times do you think they'd end up with Rory winning and John Rahm finishing second? For me, far more than 20, once in 25 times. You know, maybe four or five times, something like that. It's... I know we're taking a fair leap of faith that they're both going to play well and they're both going to finish in that direct order, but um, yeah, that's that's the only way that I could see that I get the players that I think are going to really perform this week into the mix. So, so yeah, that's how I've played it. That's how I've, that's how I've played the top of the market. Straight forecast, twenty-five to one. Rory first, John Rahm second. Now, of the other players, if there's one player that I'm most concerned about that could pop his head into that uh, that that pair and uh, and, and upset the uh, the final outcome is Victor Hovland. So I've backed Hovland too. Um he's 10 to 1. It's, I don't know, call it a backup bet or insurance bet if you like, but um if there's going to be a party pooper and it's going to be Victor Hovland, at least I want to have him on board. So I've backed Hovland at 10 to 1. He's fourth in the rankings at the moment, so he does have something to play for. Um, and it could have been so much closer, couldn't he, if he'd have um, converted that great chance he had at Wentworth. Uh, just the final day there, of course, it was cut down to three rounds because of the uh, the passing of the Queen. Um, that final round, he just started hitting everything left, which uh, didn't help his cause at all. But he seems to have ironed it out since. Fifth in the uh, Zozo since, tenth at the Mayakoba when he was going for that three-peat a couple of weeks back. Won the Dubai Desert Classic earlier this year. Um, and third here in his only start back in 2020. He was fourth for strokes gain off the tee, fourth for strokes gain tee to green, putted really well that week as well um, in terms of putts per greens and regulations. So um, if there's a player that I want on board in case the Rory Ram 1-2 doesn't happen, then Victor Hovland's my man. Now, of course, that doesn't uh, give us a great deal of wriggle room, really, in terms of um, putting together a betting card. And um, given the nature of the market and given the nature of the event, I've not gone mad with my selections from here on in. I've, I've gone with a couple of each way chances that uh, that caught my eye. Um, and that's where I've left it. Minwoo Lee's the first one of those two, 33 to 1. Now, if we're going to get a player who can potentially contend with these guys at the very top, he's going to have to be a... I expect a fearless and you know, seriously talented sort. A Rolex winner is a, a good starting point as well. And uh, Minwoo Lee won that Scottish Open last year at Rolex series level. And a lot of the big names in this field were behind him that week. Rory was behind him that week. Rahm was behind him. He beat Matt Fitz, Fitzpatrick in a playoff there. Um, Thomas Detry was the other guy in the um, the playoff that week. Interesting with Detry, he's the first reserve this week. So mm-hmm. if anyone pulls out, then Detry will find his way into the field. But um, as it stands, he's the guy who just missed out in the 54th spot in the rankings. Um, in terms of Lee again, third at both the Spanish Open recently and the Valderrama Masters, and tied eighth last week at the Ned Bank. So in some decent form, some really strong performances from off the tee and tee to green recently. He finished fourth at the fire course, the neighbouring fire course here at Jumeirah, 
Gulf Estates um, last year, fourth in the Saudi International back in 2019. So some desert form to boot, 16th here on his debut last year. Um, fourth for greens and regulation so good first outing for him here and um, he seems to be in far stronger form right now so if there's a player i think's just about got the ability to uh to be gung-ho enough to go for a, a win here against these big guys maybe it is minwoo lee um, and finally the only guy at three figures who caught my eye um and i think this is a good pun he's on debut um ewan ferguson now i backed him yesterday 125 to one he's been nibbled in a little bit but there's still 100 to one out there um right now just after eight o'clock on tuesday morning over here in the uk the winner here tends to have some experience, as I've already said, um, John Rahm aside. But if you look at some of the guys who've made a place uh, or made the places on their debut, Nikolai Hogard last year, Sammy Valamaki the year before, Laurie Cantor, all of them made the places here on debut. All of them at decent, chunky mid-prices from an each-way perspective as well. So that does offer a bit of encouragement. Uh, Ewan won the Qatar Masters earlier this year, which is a good start. He also won at Galgorham Castle when he was first for strokes gain tee to green that week. So that's a nice little indicator for the kind of player that we want. Or that we want. Um, could have well have won in Denmark too if it wasn't for Ollie Wilson's magical putter coming down the uh, stretch that week. So this is a guy, again, you know, like Fox, he's won twice this season and could have won more as well. Ninth Mallorca recently, eighth last week at Sun City. Long, long game, really working nicely. So, um, what was he seventh for strokes gain off the tee last week? So, of of the longer prices, of the three figure chances, Ewan Ferguson is the one that I think has the best chance of sneaking into the places. And that's my lot. So I've backed just Ewan Ferguson, Minwoo Lee, Victor Hovland, and the Rory McIlroy, John Rahm straight forecast. How are you playing it this week, Barry? I don't know. I do and I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to go near Rory Ram, or I'm not going to ruin your bet, your forecast either by jumping on that. Although I do um, follow the logic that you know you run this twenty five times. I think the outcome of those two uh, being one two happens more often than that. Mm. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I'm. Te- I mean, Tommy Fleetwood has kind of. I don't know whether he'll go. But he could go back to back. I mean, he's. He almost telegraphed the win over the last few weeks because we've been discussing him quite a lot. So does he just keep it lit and and go nuts this week? Yeah. Well, don't, just just to just to back that point up, Barry Fleetwood, when he won the Ned Bank back in 2019, finished second here yeah. on his next start. Yeah, absolutely. And he had a live mm. chance of winning. So, <laughs> yes, he can. He, yes, he can. And yes, he could. Um, 14 to 1 is the chance you're taking. But, um, yeah, it's it's not out of the realms of possibility. Yeah. And it is hard to go back to back. So, with that said, I, I'm settling on a bet on Ryan Fox. Yep. If you if you remove the the couple of the big boys who predominantly play on the PGA Tour, let's Rory, Ram, Fitzpatrick, I think Ryan Fox is by far the the player I'd want to be on in terms of how he's performed on the European Tour all year long, and mm. arguably in terms of a supporter of the European Tour, probably deserves to be the number one, having played so much of it this year. Yep. 
So he's almost twice the odds of Fleetwood. And because of that, I'm going to back him. Yep. Yep. I, I, I couldn't put you off because he's been playing such consistent forms. And Steve said he's up into the mid-20s now in terms of his world ranking. As to where he goes from here, we'll see. We'll see what, he, see what his plans are for next season. But um, he could play wherever he wanted to, really, couldn't he? Hmm. Perhaps we'll finish off a fantastic season with um, with more success here. We shall see. So is that is that your only play for do this moment? Do you want my viewpoint? No, no I'm with with Fox. Um, I I went with you on Lawrence last week, and look, it was disappointing that it didn't go go well on Sunday. But that that course can just seem to do weird things to people. So um, yeah, I think this is a little bit. I don't. I, probably a bit more straightforward a vibe or it doesn't seem like it can get on top of you as much as the the course in Sun City last week so I'm going to back mm. Lawrence again and I just Gavin Green's playing so great I, I don't think I can avoid going again like he's he's um he's given me two weeks or two two bets in a row of the place so uh, I'm going to go for go, go for one more his one time playing here that's the only thing his one time playing here he finished 57th just not it doesn't exactly um get get you very excited, but um he just seems to be a different animal um in this stretch of golf. So yeah, well uh, he is playing far better than he had been before. I mean, what put me mm. off Green last week was I looked through his record at Sun City and he hadn't beaten seventy in any of the rounds that he had played um, at Sun City in the past. So you know I kind of reluctantly put a line through him, but he's playing such good golf that he's overcoming and improving on all of these personal best or personal worst performances um, so yeah I, we'll see if he can continue it for another week he's playing some cracking stuff so I mean that, that said like these bets on Lawrence and Green when you look at who you look at the list of winners here they've, they've all got like very classy names about them like they're with no, no disrespect to the two boys like the names that are on this trophy are bigger than either of their names yeah um so i mean realistically i'm looking at the each way places for those guys you know but and the, you know the ryan fox is like the big name i'm having a go on this week and let the other shorter odds players fight it out if the, one of them wins so be it i don't want to mm. i don't want to make a distinction between the shorter odds players for the bets this week which sounds no. price proud but it's just it's a difficult task to choose between Fleetwood, Hatton, Larry, and then the you know McElroy, Fitzpatrick, and uh, Ram. It's yep. a diff- difficult one to choose between. It is a toughie. I'll give you that. It's not a nice you, game, hey. No. How are you playing it? Me, McElroy, to win. I'll have a tickle on that. I think he was always due to win both Order of Merits. We had this discussion over the few last few podcasts. He got world number one at um, CJ Cup. That takes that pressure away. Mm. I know Rahm's been playing better, but in a head-to-head, I just... I mean, don't forget, McElroy and Rahm were pretty much head-to-head at CJ Cup, and Rahm just went backwards. Yep. Um, I think McElroy wins this. Um, I've got to have a little tickle on Tommy. Um, just, I noticed as you were going through your your um, comments um he did that in terms of 
uh, when he won in 2019, and he was second for Greens in regulation last week, which is prime Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll take. I'm going to go extended eight places each way and take smaller odds. Um, you're going to need those places, I think, with Rahm and McElroy taking two of the top top five at the very least. I'd suggest. So Fleetwood yeah. at twelves, and I'm going to follow you in on Minwoo Lee. And the reasoning I'm on Minwoo Lee is this world ranking reasoning that I've been using for pretty much all of the autumn. And if you look at Minwoo, disappeared over to the States, played a lot of golf in the US, and from Pebble Beach onwards, it was just miscut, miscut, miscut. He didn't settle over there, struggled over there. Uh, But recently, his form has been much improved. He has no PGA Tour status. So he was 14th at Augusta as well this year on debut. So he was two positions short of an automatic Masters invite for 2023. Yeah. So if he wants to be that 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 top 50 spot, if he could get there with a good finish this week at the DP World Tour Championship, would open a lot of doors for next season. Mm, definitely. Bearing in mind, no PGA Tour status right now. The only golf he's going to be playing is DP World Tour, which isn't such a bad thing starting next year at big events like Abu Dhabi and... Dubai and whatever, which tend to be pretty loaded, but I think it's a it's a big week big week for Minwoo Lee. So yeah, I'm in on him. I'm going to take the twenty two to one with eight places each way if I bet three six five each way extra facility. That's that. That's mine. Um, I would be actually tempted as well if I hadn't gone in all the shorties. I, I I'd probably follow Barry in on Gavin Green as well because he's just playing such good golf. Big course, big hitter. This yep. could suit, I think. I always think with Gavin, it's more of a mental game than a physical game. But he just seems to be building on week on week, month on month with confidence of learn. I was impressed last week because I, I didn't think that Gary Player, that course there, would suit him. It's a proper stern test and he was still up in the top seven or eight. Yeah, I think when he gets that win, he's just going to fly from there. It's just a, a case of how long it takes him to get it. And you know, he's, he's, he's been close. He's been a little unlucky over the last few weeks and months. Um it will come. I'm sure it will. He's, tal- he's too talented for it not to come. So, yeah. Just thought I'd mention before I go on to the RSM Classic, because we do get a lot of golf betting nerds listening to this, and quite rightly so in the depths of November when the majors are long, long, long way back in the uh, rear view mirror. Decent field over in Dunlop Phoenix this week. Mm. Uh, they played that over on the um, in, in Japanese tour. Uh, they've got Corey Connors, they've got Tom Kim, Aaron Wise, and uh, our old favourite Midoparaya playing over there this week. So if there's a market up for that, that might be worth looking at, worth looking at as well. Now, knowing Mito, he does like a, a trip to Japan, so he did well at the Olympics. That might be, might be a little bet there on Mito Paraya at the uh, Dunlop Phoenix, so that's something to keep an eye on. PGA Tour, though, the final event of 2022. It's been a long old road, chaps, isn't it? Yep. It's been a long old road. It'd be nice to have December off where we can actually do some different things, Paul. I'm looking forward to it (laughs) intently. 45 events in 2022. We've got to the final one, the RSM Classic. Now, this is the one last year where I lost in 
Uh, and it wasn't in a playoff. I got. I had Mackenzie Hughes second. You'll be surprised to hear. So uh, it'd be nice to to get someone in the mix again this week. Two golf courses they play this week at the RSM Classic. It's a coastal affair in Georgia. So Sea Island Resort, the seaside course is the host course. One round either Thursday, Friday, then Saturday, Sunday here. Um, it's a Colton Allison 28 design, a Fazio, Tom Fazio redesign in 1998. Past 70, 7,005 yards, it's short. Plenty of water hazards here, 13 in play. So that'll test, that'll test Tony's metal. Because <laughs> um, sometimes he, in old Tony now used to like a water hazard. So... He's got 13 holes this week with water in play. I think last week it was only four. Uh, the fairways are Tiffway Bermuda grass with platinum paspalum. The rough is Tiffway Bermuda grass, two inches. The greens are large, 7,200 square feet in size on average. Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. So Tiff Eagle, very um, common grass that we find in Florida, Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. So Florida form wouldn't be a bad look. I mean, Tiff Eagle is the most uh, predominant of the Bermuda grasses that we see. Last week, I believe, from memory, was Mini Verdi. They also play one round at the Plantation Course. That is a par 72, although it's only 7,060 yards. That course is very, very gettable. It's further inland. A lot of it is actually uh, tree-lined, the golf course. They, they liken Sea Island Plantation Course to Harbour Town. Similar feel. The greens there are smaller, 6,100 square feet. They feature Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. Those are your courses this week at the RSM Classic. Now, this, this tournament's always interesting to me. They've, they've actually upped the... Um, They've upped the purse. It's great because this is a commune, an absolute commune of golfers. They've increased the fear, uh, the, the prize fund. Wouldn't it be great? You, you're living in your house at the end of the year. Come on, boys, we've got the RSM this week. Oh, great, fantastic. There's $8,100,000 uh, $8, to play for. Two-year exemption, exemption on the PGA Tour. And the winner, if not already exempt, gets to play in the Masters as well. It's not bad, is it? And you've literally got a five-minute drive to the golf course. Must be fantastic. Mm. Names who live in this area. Jonathan Bird, Harris English, Will Gordon, who's been in great nick. English could do with a great result because he slipped out of the top 50. Ben Griffin, who I know that Barry's been very, very keen on recently, and rightly so, excellent ball striker. Brian Harmon, who's in great nick. Gary Hicko now lives here. Zach Johnson, Patton Kazaya, Matt Kuchar, Keith Mitchell, Trey Mullinax, Andrew Novak, J.T. Poston, Grayson Sig, Michael Thompson, and of course, Davis Love III, the tournament host, all live in Sea Island or on St. Simon's Island. They're pretty much joined together. Um, there's also a load of people that sit here and, and use the training facilities as well. The um, Sea Island Performance Centre, likes of Chris Kirk, Kevin Kisner, Seamus Power, um, visits here quite regularly, Nick Watney. 
Now, one thing I will say, and this is fact going all the way back to, and it's been noted in various television interviews over the years. Um, I don't know why, I've got no idea, but going back to Heath Slocum in 2010, no St. Simon's Island or Sea Island resident has won this golf tournament. And you probably wouldn't expect that with the, some of the names that were mentioned in that piece because we've got some very good players that live on this property. The likes of Zach Johnson, perfect course for him. Matt Kuchar, perfect course for him. Um, Brian Harmon hasn't won this. So for whatever reason, Harris English, no one in the local community, if you like, no one that uses this as their residential base, their training bases, have ever won this tournament. Uh, you also get a lot of winners here that all have background in the southern United States or live in the southern United States. So you could take that back to Ta Taylor Gooch last year, who won his first PGA Tour title here at 22 under par. Gooch, born in Oklahoma, lived in Oklahoma, went to Oklahoma's uh, uni. So you do see a lot of that kind of Robert Streb again, another guy that was born and bred in Oklahoma. Tyler Duncan, he was Floridian. Charles Howe III actually had a home for quite a period of time here on Sea Island, but had moved away before he won in 2018. He'd become an Orlando, Florida resident. So there's a lot of that. Austin Cook's another one. He's an Arkansas lad. So... A lot of players, uh, Mackenzie Hughes was living in South Carolina when he won, although Canadian. Kevin Kisner, we know Kevin Kisner from Aiken, Georgia. Um, so inland, not an actual Sea Island resident, but a Georgia state or a person that lived in Georgia. So you do get a lot of local ties that get in the mix here. Chris Kirk, another. So these are, these are kind of angles that I've been looking at here. Um... It's not a difficult course. It's your typical PGA Tour event. It's your typical seaside event. The wind has to blow to make this difficult. I mean, 22 under one last year, Taylor Gooch. And Taylor, I mean, 22 under, and it was actually gusting. Um, 30 miles an hour on Friday. And there were 50, uh, another gusting, 15 to 20, gust to 30 on Saturday. And he still shot 22 under par. That's incredible. Now, the weather forecast this year is for a lot calmer conditions. So it's going to be calmer than last year. But I'll tell you what else it's going to be this year. It's going to be cold. It's going to be colder than last year, where it was around about 18 to 19 degrees Celsius. This year. We're looking at temperatures peaking at 14 to 16 degrees. And early on, 7, 8, 9 in the morning, when they're teeing off, I'm seeing sort of 6, 7 degrees Celsius, so expect plenty of bubble hats. <laughs> Lots of snoods. <laughs> I mean, this is, pro this is proper Irish conditions in the morning, Barry. So oh, yeah. a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of players will not like that in the slightest. This is the PGA Tour. They're, they're used to 95 degrees Fahrenheit, not 51s and 53s and colder in the mornings. Mm. So it's going to be colder, but it's going to be calmer. 
So I still think, I, I, I think that the 20, 22 under par, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a resort level winner in terms of scoring. I don't, I don't, I can't see a reason why those scores aren't going to go low. Um, and because, you know, at the end of the day, day the green speeds, those greens are going to just be receptive. Um, yeah, and it's grainy, it's grainy Bermuda grass. So if you can get players that are comfortable on Bermuda grass and good Bermuda grass putters, I don't think that's a bad show at all. Now, the winners here, they, they're just all over the place in terms of price, really are. Gooch, 40 to 1, fairly obvious. Hadn't won on the PGA Tour for four years, took this as the opportunity to do that. Came in here in reasonably good form. Uh, Streb. He broke your heart, Barry, didn't he? I know I, I bring this up every year. 350 to 1, Robert Streb. He beat your selection, Kevin Kisner, that year in a playoff. Tyler Duncan, 200 to 1. I mean, these, <laughs> it's outlandish prices. Then you had a Charles Howe III at 50 to 1. Austin Cook, 90 to 1. The shortest we've had, Kevin Kisner, 22 to 1 in 2015. So. Yeah, you know, we go back to the same conversation we were having DP World Tour Championship. Does Tony Finau go back to back and win at ten to one this week? He has played this tournament before, which was, I believe, in his rookie year. Yeah, it's while back, wasn't it? Twenty fourteen. I'm going back in my memory here from what research I did um, over the weekend. So just bear with me while I just bring this up on my screen because I don't want to give people wrong information. Fino played here in 2014 at the McGladdery Classic. He finished 14th. So he's played four rounds on this golf course. But back then, they didn't have the split system. They all played on one course over the 72 holes. So he's played here, he's got experience here. We've seen him go back to back. I've got to say I was very, very tempted just to sneak a few points, win only on Tony Fina. Because you get the feeling he could just rock up here mm. and dominate another relatively, well, a weak field in essence. I haven't, but um, I can see why people would be tempted this week with McElroy or Ram and Finau doubles. And as we said, they are being boosted with Bet365 this season. Finau's into 9-1 to one now, so people have been having a nibble on that 10-1 to one straight away overnight. Harmon at 22-1, to one, Sea Island resident in Great Nick. Seamus Power won a few seasons, a few outings ago at the Bermuda Championship. This fits his jibe, 25-1, to one, same price as Jason Day. Tom Hoagie at 28-1 to one with Taylor Montgomery. This year's rookie sensation. Keith Mitchell, who's going for a top 50 in the world this week, is a Sea Island resident, 35 to 1, with Denny McCarthy. We're then out to 40 to 1, Joel Damon, who broke my heart last year, and 45 to 1, Matt Knee Smith. Any comments before I go on to selections from you guys? Oh, one other thing, one other thing. Up until this point, going way back to 2010, we haven't seen a player who's actually won in the same year win this. So it's all been players that haven't won in that calendar year. So again, that goes against Finale as well. Yeah. 
I've gone for some young talent in this one. That's where I've gone for, and some real experience as well. I've gone for some some youngsters with local ties. Um, I've gone for a short plodder who's an excellent putter and got an excellent approach game. Um, I've gone for a guy at the top who's got a fantastic local record. Uh, been on the tour for a good number of years now and could make a breakthrough win. And yeah, I've gone for I've gone for an Englishman this week in in conditions that I think are going to be very Northern European, very non PGA Tour, if you like. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Top of the shop for me, my number one bet, the one that I actually had in the can as of the end of last week, Matthew Neesmith. One and a half points each way, 40 to 1 with bet 365 each way extra I got on Matt Neesmith. Really come to the party this fall, isn't he? Second at the Shriners. Um, he also had a couple of top 10 finishes either side of that at the Sanderson Farms and when, they, when, when he went across to the Zozo in Japan. Uh, also, a, f a third place finish earlier on in the year at the Valspar Championship. Now, Valspar, Copperhead, I know it's in Florida, I know it's in Tampa Bay, but a Carolina golf course. And you just get the vibes with Neesmith when you look at his record. He's comfortable by the coast. He plays well on Carolina golf courses and stuff that looks familiar to him because he's a, he's a Georgia boy. But... That, that third at Valspar, he was right up in the heat of the battle that week and didn't, dis didn't disappear with Sam Burns and Davis Riley that particular week. And then second at the Shriners last month, again, in the heat of the battle with Tom Kim and the likes, Patrick Cantlay finished second. So he's been at the top of leaderboards this season and not capitulated, which I like. I love that look. In great nick. And then last week... Turned up at Houston. I think he'd had a three-week layoff. I'm not sure he's the kind of player that goes well on tougher tests. For me, when you look at him, he's always going well on plotters golf courses where he can score freely. 53rd last week, made the cut. Actually shot a really nice five under... Um, he shot a very nice round on uh, Friday to save his skin and make the cut. He actually had two rounds last week, the second and the fourth, where he was in the in the best top 10 players for scoring on those particular days. So he's in good nick. I'm on Neesmith, and he's got an excellent record, Neesmith, amateur record on the island. So when I say on the island, they play the Jones Cup next door at the Ocean Forest Golf Club. They also play the Southeastern Conference University Stroke Play Tournament here every year on this particular golf card. I mean the seaside course. And... Um, you just look at Neesmith's record. Fourth, fifth, and second at the Jones Cup. He's also won the individual honours at the SEC Championship here on this golf course. So, yeah, I'm all over Matt Neesmith. He was the first the first selection for me. I've, I've been on Neesmith for, a, for a, a, a while for this. The other one I do like, again, with local ties and has played a very strong year. Um, this is now his second season on the PGA Tour. Last year was his rookie season. In his rookie season, he finished seventh in Bermuda, 
second at the Valspar behind Sam Burns, fifth in Mexico, coastal golf course, behind John Rahm. He was also fourth at Colonial behind Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler. He's had top 20s at the Sony Open, we know that's coastal, the Memorial, the Wyndham Championship, Carolina Golf Course, and the PGA Championship, Davis Riley. So I've got 45 to 1 on Davis Riley, eight places each way again with Bet365. He's a University of Alabama product. He's also got masses of SEC and Jones Cup experience. Not as outlandishly good as Matt Neesmith, 25th and 11th on the seaside course. He had a 5th, a 15th and a 13th of the Jones Cup played next door. But when you look at Austin Cook, who won here at 90-1, to he didn't have outlandishly good experience at this golf course or on the one next door at the Ocean Forest, but he was always kind of top top 25s, top 20s there. So got experience of those golf courses, got experience of the winds here, different course conditions. Riley's in exactly the same boat. And the thing with Riley is, he's an extremely good driver of the golf ball. He's a total driver, long and straight when he's in good nick. When he started this season, um, I put him up at the 40 net and missed the cut. I think he's, he really does struggle on Poana. So last two outings, he's been brilliant with his approach play, been brilliant with the driver. His ball striking's been perfect. 21st at Mayakoba, 27th last week at the Houston Open. I think he's just going uh, to be liking coming back to this golf course and the fami- familiarity of it. Big, big opportunity for Riley, who, if he had a huge week this week, would actually jump into the world's top 50. Another huge motivational carrot for Davis Riley. So the two that I've got at 14 to 45 to 1, Matthew Neesmith, and I've got Davis Riley. I'll back them up a 50 to 1 chance. Again, we bet 365, eight places each way by their each way extra facility. This guy hasn't got local ties, but he's a plotter. He's very short off the tee. But this golf course doesn't discriminate between bombers and short short players either. This is one of the least important tests of the season when it comes to strokes going off the tee. So if you're if you're straight and short, not overly a problem around here. Andrew Putnam. He's had a second at the Sony Open. He's had a third at the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. He's a winner at the Barracuda. Again, that's a short golf course that they play at elevation. And he shot lights out. That was a proper birdie fest. And that's why I look for Putnam. I look for Putnam on soft, softer golf courses where the scoring, softer, short golf courses where the scoring could be low. That seems to be his MO. He's also had a sixth at Pebble Beach, a fifth in Puerto Rico, a fifth at the Corrales and second at that Sony Open in 2019. So he's not the sort of player that shies away on coastal golf tip. I'm pretty sure as well with Andrew Putnam, if you go back, he actually had a very good week at the Scottish Open one year before the Open. Might have had a top 10. Yeah, it rings a bell. Likes playing by the coast. Now, if you go all the way back to 2014, when Andrew Putnam was playing his first ever experiences of the PGA Tour, he came here... I think he came here after two or three straight missed cuts on his first ever PGA Tour events. Came here, finished 12th. And he was fourth going into the weekend as a Corn Ferry grad with absolutely no momentum behind him whatsoever. 
So I like that. He was fifth that week for strokes gain on approach and fourth for strokes gain tee to green on the 54 holes that they played here at the seaside course. Uh, well, back back then, actually, that, that was the same year as Tony Fina. So that would have been at 72 holes here. Mm. So yeah, Putnam, I've gone for 50 to 1. So 50 to 1, 45 to 1 and 40 to 1 are my first three selections. Where are you guys at in that region or where, where is your thinking before I go into my final two? Well, I've only backed one below that kind of level, and then I've got a couple who are um, far longer. So uh, the shorter one, um, no real shock really, is uh, Seamus Power. I, I'm interested to see if Barry's on in a second. But uh, third at the Maricoba, won the Bermuda, fourth here last year. His current form, course form combination is staring us in the face. Now, that much is obvious. 25 to 1, eight places each way with bet 365s. Each way extra, I thought, was a fair price for his um, potential in this field and potential to beat up a um, a weak field once again. What I like, um, and we, we looked at the fields for the Ned Bank and um, the potential field for the DP World Tour Championship a couple of weeks ago, and Seamus Power was listed in the Ned Bank field initially or as one of the players who could qualify for it. Um, he and he, he's chosen to stay over in the States. Yeah. Now, he won the Bermuda, third at the Mayakoba. He's playing this week. Now, had he gone to the um, the Ned Bank, um, which w- was within his rights by the looks of it, um, and qualified for the DP World Tour Championship, he'd be playing the Earth Course now. He's chosen not to. He's chosen to stay where he is. And I think, for me, that signals a level of intent that he is comfortable where he is playing right now. He thinks he's got a better opportunity to rack up and um, what will be some very valuable Rider cut points over the clo- closing events of this season, hmm. um, and I, I don't think he'll take his foot off the gas. I mean, if he had, then I think we'd have seen him miss the cut at Mike Ober and kind of disappear without a trace. But the fact that he still finished third there, the fact that he's coming to a course this week where he's played well in the past, um, and he's right at the top of his game, I thought twenty-five to one was a very fair price on Seamus Power. So. Hmm. Um, that was the one for me towards the top end. Did you you back Seamus as well, Barry? I know you um, dipping in and out of a bit of Seamus. Not not yet, but I like that um, flow you mentioned. Just like his timeline flow that he could have gone to Sun City and he you know, could have got himself into the DP World Tour Championship, but he has not. I like the he way was, you kind of figured yeah. that out. Paul and I we were looking at. He was on that Ned Bank opening field. He, he yep. was there with Thomas Dietrich. Dietrich decided to go South Africa to try and get into the DP World Tour Championship. Failed by a spot. Seamus said, no, I'm going to stay in the States. And when you see the world ranking differential in terms of points, you can see why, can't you? Because mm. you can get a bucket load of world ranking points this week. Yep. In a, in a weaker field. Absolutely. <laughs> kind of <right>. no-brainer. <laughs> you can see his logic, can't you? If, if, mm. if the, on if a course the- that will suit him, yeah. 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 If if the focus from him over the next nine months or ten months or so is to make that Ryder Cup team, then this kind of event is a massive opportunity for him. Mm, yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah, you're so, on the Baron. I've gone um other other than Seamus, I've gone for like just end the season with, with a whopper. So here we go. Um I'm sticking with Ben Griffin. Yeah, he's a hundred to one. A hundred to one. Um, with the I've taken the ten places extended, so I'm kind of kind of liking the ten places extended. It just feels 
feels like it's got a bit more scooping potential for uh, grabbing it each way. Um, then, I don't know, a couple of absolute flyers. Like, coming off the Champions Tour, he's had a good stretch there. And this would be one of the few PGA Tour weeks that he has any chance in terms of, like, length. So I've taken Brian Gay at 250-1 to 1 with maxed out extra places on bet 365 12 places Mm. and then you know i couldn't i couldn't get brian gay out of the top 10 of the predictor model this week i know i did a few different iterations of it this is weird so yeah okay brian gay just kept pinging and at one stage he was at the very top statistically Uh he fits doesn't he yeah oh yeah oh yeah well you just look at where he's won this is this is Brian Gay country, absolutely. So I just couldn't ignore it. Did a few different uh, predictors. Went, oh, that's okay, that's compelling. Um, and then one other just mad flyer is on David Lingmurth. Uh, had a couple of good weeks in a row. Um, miscut last week, but that doesn't freak me out for him with uh, the length of that course. But he had eleventh and an eighth yeah. the two weeks before. Um, so I've maxed him out on the places as well at 175s. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, he won, won quite recently, didn't he, on the uh, on the Corn Ferry? So uh, yeah, Ling- Lingmouth did catch my eye as well. Uh, Steve, I'll give you my two long shots because it's probably more fitting that you finish off um, the season with your final selections. Um, just for me, a couple of um, very small punts. Pat and Kizaya, 10th last time out. Uh, top 10 finish here as well, 150 to 1. Austin Cook, you mentioned a couple of times, Steve, previous winner here. A um, couple of 27th place finishes um, over his last two starts. Very consistent there. Um, fourth for strokes game putting, though, last week caught my eye. Again, 150 to 1 for a previous winner. Um, happy to sprinkle a couple of... Uh, couple of quid each way on Kazai and Austin Cook. But that's where I am. So I'll, I'll leave it for you, Steve, to uh, to wrap us up. I'll tell you what it was nice to see last week. Englishman Ben Taylor getting that top finish in Houston. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, that's a guy that's actually done reasonably well, the young, young Englishman, uh, on, some, uh, on these tracks here on the island. But uh, it was good to see him rack up a huge haul of FedEx Cup points last week, Ben Taylor, who actually had been visible on my strokes gained off the tee and on approach numbers. So um, you could see something was bubbling on Ben Taylor and then bang, gets a great finish last week. Right, we've said tough, cold, well not tough as such, but cold conditions. Now I've backed this chap a number of times recently, um, since he's kind of fallen off a cliff in terms of his performances. But I kept I just kept seeing his name across my research. And I just I just thought to myself, you know, based on what we saw at Houston last week, which kind of was pretty strong form, um, Justin Rose. Second last week for greens in regulation. I mean, that's that's prime kind of Justin Rose territory yeah, right there. Yeah. That's his best ever greens in regulation performance since the 2020 Singapore Open. Because mm. he's been all over the place. But he was good off the tee. Looked like he'd taken a little bit of length off the tee. 
and went down the female route of let's take it a bit easier off the tee and actually hit some fairways. So I, yeah, I've taken the 60 to 1, eight places each way I got with Bet365 on Justin Rose. Now, Justin Rose, 12 months ago, came to the RSM Classic in complete disarray, really. I think he'd had a... Um, he'd, he'd, he'd done okay at the at Wentworth. I'd be, I think he'd finished in the top 10 at Wentworth. But he came here kind of disinterested, I think. 57th at the CJ Cup. That's a no-cut That's a no cut event that they played in um, Las Vegas. Mayakoba 40th. Nothing at all to, to really get excited about. He shot 65, 68, 70, 65 to finish 12th here. And you just you just think he ranked back then first for total driving, second for ball striking, and thirteenth for strokes going tee to green and seaside course. And just think of Justin Rose and go back to the past of triumphs of Rose. Third at the PGA Championship at Keira Island behind Rory McIlroy in twenty twelve. That's only just up the coast. He was eighth there last year in that wind fest that that Phil Mickelson won. And you know you just. I wouldn't say he's an absolute kind of coastal beast, Justin Rose, but he has one at Torrey Pines, where he's also had a fourth, an eighth, and a sixth in recent years. The sixth was even this year. He's finished third at the 2019 US Open at Pebble Beach. These these are courses that just tie in so easily to Sea Island. Uh, he's a two-time P- Bermuda Grass winner amongst his 10 PGA Tour victories. So, if we're talking about momentum... And I, you know, I've been floating around Jason Day for 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 a while, and he is building momentum, but it's slow with J Day. With Rose, Ryder Cup qualification, bang on. There is no way in the world that Rose, at the moment, and the way that his game has gone, is an automatic pick for the for the, the Ryder Cup team. I think he needs to start. He's, he's he's in the same. He's not as bad position as Francesco Molinari, but. He's got a lot of rebuilding to do, Justin Rose, to show that he's got the desire and the will and just to play good enough golf to qualify for a Ryder Cup. Now, based on last week at Houston, it'd be interesting to see if he actually grabs the mantle and pushes forward this week at a tournament where if you look in the future and Rose has been right at the top of the leaderboard contending for the victory, you'd go 60-1 to on Justin Rose. I can't believe that. So I'm on Rose. And my last tip of 2022. Paul's been talking about this individual for a while. I got 90 to 1 with Bet365 again. Eight place each way, each way extra. Davis Thompson. Now we've had rookies win this recently. Mackenzie Hughes was 250 to 1. Austin Cook was was 90 to 1 in 2017 as as a tour rookie. And I think Thompson's got a very good chance this week. He's the eighth best rookie on the tour so far, behind the likes of Ben Griffin, behind Taylor Montgomery, of course. But he's had some success. Paul's highlighted this. Ninth at the Fortinet, which was the first PGA Tour event of the year, sorry, of the season. Twelfth at the Shriners. And as Paul has been highlighting, a prodigious driver of the golf ball. He ranks 15th for strokes going off the tee so far this season. He's also in the top 35 for strokes going tee to green. So the, the approach play isn't bad either. But this guy is a local Sea Island resident. So I'm going, but at 90 to 1, who cares? A bit like Ben Griffin at 100 to 1. When, when you've got prices like that, you don't mind going against the grain. And they can play, so at the end of the day. I'm, I was talking about winning earlier. 
But this guy has finished 4th, 15th, 2nd, 1st, 2nd at the Jones Cup as an amateur at Ocean Forest next door. And he also finished 4th as an individual at the SEC Championship on this golf course in 2019. And his dad is the RSM Classic Tournament Director. <laughs> so I expect he might get a good draw. Yes. I'd hope that Davis Thompson isn't going last off in the uh, 2 0 in the, in the last group of the day. No, you, you think. Well, maybe Danny, he wants Danny to. He might say he's down. Make sure I'm getting one of the. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be going out in, the, in a group where no one's following me for the first two days, Dad. Yeah, keep me out of the limelight. So 90 to 1 on Davis Thompson, 60 to 1 on Justin Rose. Don't let me down, Justin. And then I've got 50 to 1 Andrew Putnam, 45 to 1 Davis Riley. 41 Matthew Neesmith. That is all she wrote. That is the 2022 Golf in Canada, as far as Golf Betting System and the Golf Betting System podcast is concerned, done and dusted. Very now, good. we were talking the other day, chaps, about potentially doing something on the build up to Christmas, just a kind of offline podcast chat kind of thing. Is that something we're up for? Yeah, if we can find some topics to chat through. Perhaps we'll nail sure, the winners I'm, this week and we want to share it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm sure in like two or three weeks' time, without doing this week on week and with the you know, the golf tailing off, we'll have a bit mm-hmm. of time to reflect on the year and hopefully we'll come up with some um, talking points and maybe do it over a beverage or two in the evening. Over a beverage, we, we can start thinking about Augusta in April. There's loads to talk about. Who's been the... The best bet of the year for you. There's a number of things that we can chat about. So maybe we'll give that a go. Try something different. It's been a blast, guys. I hope your bets go well this week. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Let's finish the season off on a on a high, eh? Just, just, don't, just don't miss the places, lads. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> no, no Sunday collapse. Would, uh, that'll be a great success this week. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Hope your bets go well, listeners, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Uh, enjoy your golfing, golf betting week. See you later. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Because it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system. 